podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Towards Gabbiadini! Oh, he's hit the post and he's gone in! And one shot treated Manchester United's defence with absolute contempt. Here's Bayano, give and go with Sturridge, that's lovely! Tommy Smith, hello for Russia! That's going to be that! It's John Bolt, it's Pearson, it is 1-0 to Derby County! Chris Collins, Bolton! Hello there, thanks for your company once again on Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County fan podcast. It's our last episode of the season. Heartbreak for some, relief for many others. <laughs> I'm Chris Parsons and joining me for the final say on Derby County 17-18, as usual, are Tom Martin. Good evening. And Richard Kutcher. Hello. It's never boring, is it? Uh, the Rams announced last week, hopefully a few days before we recorded, that Frank Lampard is Derby County's new manager. So naturally, the first half of the podcast will be totally frank. What style of football can we expect? Have our expectations changed? And will Tom be getting Terry 26 on the back of a shirt this season? <laughs> no. <laughs> For all time's sake, though, it's the final who am I of the season? Uh, we were asking the score before. Is it 10 6? 10 6. It's close, actually. Over 10 6 1. Over how many legs? 17. <laughs> 17. 17 legs. Our 10, occasional 10. Derby County guessing game. Uh, Tom has wrapped up the title for the season, of course. But Richard could finish the season on a high. So Qualify for Europe. Mm. You could restore some pride. So the first clue for this episode is following. I played. 32 times for Derby County between 2009 and 2015. I really hope I haven't had this one before. 32 times between Terry, six yeah. years. It's John Terry. <laughs> 2009-2015. That is correct. Quite awful player, shall yeah. And we will come George back... George <laughs> Sounds about right. 32 appearances in six years. And we'll come back to that at the end of the podcast. So then, the Rams will be led next season by Premier League legend but one with no managerial experience. So it's Lampard, Tom. When the rumours became reality, what was your gut reaction when you first heard? I've got more and more excited, but the gut reaction, I'll be honest, I was a bit... Well, not not certain. I mean, we are taking a massive risk here. And there was a nice article on the BBC uh, which also said Lampard's also taking a risk because we're not renowned for showing a great loyalty to managers. And when we go through a difficult period, um, <clears throat> the fans and social media goes pretty mental on it so I think we need to give Lampard time and I think yeah I think it is really exciting but gut feeling I was a bit unsure I think I think it's a good point about Lampard <clears throat> taking a risk as well because that's probably why it took about a week you know from when the rumours started being serious to him being announced it was there was a long period there and obviously the fans are getting a little bit impatient about there being no news and the longer it went on the longer I was concerned that maybe it wasn't going to happen. And I think, yeah, you're absolutely right, Tom. I think it's a risk from us. It's a risk for him, considering our track record with giving managers time. The last time he hired an inexperienced manager was Paul Clement, and he didn't really give him the time that he probably deserved to get given. Um, you yeah. said you said originally, Richard, you were sceptical. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think your mood reflected that of a lot of Derby fans. When the, the name first came out, they were like, you know, this isn't, Football Manager, or or yeah. like you know the Daily Star or something. That, that's never going to happen. But then it became more and more serious. Yeah. And you, like everyone else, were eventually one round to the idea, weren't you? And I think one round slash there was a there's been a bit of Frank mania going on. You know, even before the announcement, the club obviously had marketed it brilliantly. Yeah. Uh, I think I feel like that week actually worked in everyone's favour 
because everyone had a week to think about it and get excited about the idea, um, right, rightly or wrongly. I, I'm still probably more sceptical than others because I just think he hasn't just got no managerial experience. He's got very, very little coaching experience. Um, of course, he's brought Jody Morris in, which we'll talk about, and he has got more coaching experience. But no, there is, if take out the name Frank Lampard, and it's, it's a nobody managerial appointment. Let's look at, I mean, what coaching experience there is for him and his credentials. It's a real curveball appointment for Derby, isn't it, Tom? Because yeah. Lampard said he has been, what, he's been sort of watching and, like, you know, mentoring Chelsea's youth team for like about 18 months. And yeah. he's been just watching other people coach, really, while getting one of his badges. Um, his UEFA B, I think. Yeah. He hasn't got the top one yet. That takes like 18 months or so, yeah, a longer so, yeah. time to actually get. And that's the one you need to coach in the Premier League, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So he'll be fine for a while. Yeah, plenty of time. But it's interesting what he said, Tom, because he, um, Lampard was quoted as saying that he didn't want to be a number two. Yeah. Like a lot of people, say like Clement or something, or yeah. McLaren at Man United before yeah, yeah. he was um, well, like Middlesbrough manager. Right. Yeah, he, he said, I don't want to be a number two. Um, it can be a great role, but I didn't necessarily want to shadow someone. You can pick up bits working in that capacity, but at the same time, you only get tested when it's yourself in the hot seat. And I'm talking about man management on the training ground and trying to be a success. So, as you said, it's, it's, it's a gamble for us, but also yeah. for him. He's he's yeah, yeah. staking a lot of his reputation on this, isn't he? Definitely. And if you think about the the sort of people who have been ex-players and been associated with Derby in, in the past, so Chris Powell, Simpson, for example, um, they've given the first team coach or managerial positions a go, and it hasn't necessarily worked out for them. And maybe they're better backroom uh, players and if you or backroom sort of staff sort of support staff and um, if you then consider what they were like maybe as players and obviously I never played with any of these but as a personality and a character Lampard comes across much more as a leader and a sort of stronger force someone who's an example not necessarily a baller and a shouter but an example for this is how we do it and this is what I do this is what you should follow and he inspires others to uh, to sort of follow on and I think that's what you need as a manager Powell solid professional player Simpson great up and down on the left wing but not necessarily the in, same not leaders of men, yeah. yeah, not the same influence. What, I mean, he's also, what he's also going to need, Richard, is he's admitted himself is his staff <laughs> around him have to be absolutely key, don't they? Yeah, and helpfully, about three hours ago, Derby confirmed Jody Morris as Lampard's assistant manager, uh, who was in charge of the Chelsea under 18s for two seasons, won back to back youth FA Cups. Mm. With the Blues in West London, um, you're pretty happy about that, weren't you? Yeah, pretty happy. I think obviously it's been rumoured for a while. Before, I think that was obviously part of negotiations of whether they could get Jody Morris in, bring his own team in. I mean, he has won back-to-back FA Youth Cups, but that's not just it. I mean, this is not coming straight from the Chelsea Youth verified Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Jody Morris's teams have won every competition they've entered over his two seasons in charge: a treble in 16-17 and a quadruple in 17-18. 59 wins, 9 draws, 5 defeats, 223 goals, only 57 conceded and 41 clean sheets. That's all well and good and that's obviously very impressive and he's won everything he could possibly win, which speaks for itself. However, I would say that Chelsea Youth Academy is the equivalent of managing... Real Madrid. Manchester City in the Premier League last season. You know, they've got more money than anyone else, they invest more in the youth than anyone else, they buy the, the best talent... They farm. They've got you know three or four squads worth of players. They farm out so many on loan. It's not a criticism. You can only win with the situation you've got, and he has won everything. But it's not the same as managing in a championship, which is super competitive, and it is. It's you know, so results driven. I mean, he's I remember. Won- um, I remember Joni Morris as a player about in uh, like the turn of the century. 
He didn't have. A, he wasn't obviously didn't have as much of an impact as Lampard at Chelsea, but he. Uh, the terrier. He was described by yeah. Xavi in a Champions League game as the uh, as the hardest opponent ever faced, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, he was a big ball in midfield. And let's he? face it, we even if he has a slight streak of that now, we could do with someone who um, instills yeah. that sense of uh, competitiveness and you know hard man attitude yeah. into the middle, can't we? It's what we thought uh, Varrett was doing, and it's what we thought that this Derby team had back in January a bit of like belief and a bit of fight, and we're not going to bottle it. But then what happened in February and March was the same as what happened the previous four years. So maybe it's time for a freshen up again and maybe someone like Morris who's going to grab the ball by the horns and is going to drag that team through. We've got the experienced players in there. It doesn't need, Lampard was right, it doesn't need a massive shake-up. Do you think Richard will be a sort of, not a not a job share as it were, but <clears throat> how do you see Lampard delegating? Do you think it would be maybe like a, almost a Julia Evans sort of situation where they pick the team together or I've got, he's, he's going to lean on him quite a lot, isn't he? You'd think so, but to be honest, I think none of us have any idea. And, and in the interview, Lampard, in his press conferences and his numerous interviews since, yeah. Lampard hasn't really given much away about about the style of play question. He's kind of dodged that question, which I quite like because I'm always sceptical of a manager that comes in and goes, I want to play this way. I want to yeah. play free-flowing, attacking football, or I want to play just hard-working football. Because you know what? There's more than one way to play a game. Mm. And as we found out last season, and we found out in other seasons, particularly under McLaren, you need a plan B. You need ma- The best managers are flexible. They have different approaches. You work, with the, you work with what you've got. So I quite like the fact Lampard hasn't really committed to a style. And having done some research over the last few days on Jody Morris... There doesn't seem to be one particular style that he's adopted at Chelsea. He's, it, no one's praising him for free-flowing football, but no one's saying that he's he's playing boring football either. It's so difficult to tell the youth team, isn't it? But apparently Lampard was asked how we're going to play or how he wants his team to play, and he said he wants to deliver fast football. Mm. But what does that mean? What does fast football mean? That could do, be... do, Can you see him... It being a massive sea change from from Rowett's sort of soak up the pressure, defend tight, and hit teams on the break, sort of relatively pragmatic, negative football. I I think so, but I, equally I agree with what Kutch has just said. What does that mean? That, does that mean he's going to put the ball in the corners? And we're going to turn defenses and chase it? Does that mean we're going to one touch passes and play super quick uh, football? Get I think it just wide? means it's not going to be it's not going to be patient, yeah. steady possession passing football. It doesn't yeah. sound like that's what he no. he wants. Yeah, it's not what Warrant did either, is it? No, and he he said he said fast football, but the thing he said time and time again was hard work, which is yeah. definitely good. And you know what? That comes from playing for managers like Mourinho, playing for managers like Ancelotti. Um, Mourinho's first two seasons with Lampard, when Lampard really break through, he wasn't as negative as he as he is now. He was quite an attacking team with Duff and Robin in that mm. team. It was a really exciting team to watch. Actually, people forget Mourinho had a really exciting team there, and Ancelotti was obviously a, a good. A, a good attacking manager but they, they all relied on hard work as well when I remember Lampard playing he wasn't the player in that generation with the most ability was he no, no. you could argue that there's like Gerrard and Scholes even players like sort of Michael Carrick yeah. who probably had more Better range of natural passing. technical ability than, than he did mm-hmm. and even when he broke into that West Ham team he was he said himself he was like the, the, the chubby slow kid yeah. who had to really work yeah. on his well, yeah, West Ham fat, fans didn't take to physicality yeah. Yeah. Fat Lampard, I mean we don't know how much any of this will matter when he's a manager maybe it won't but I think it speaks a lot about his mentality doesn't it and if he can instill that in the group and get them to respect him because I think that's the most important thing surely this group of players yeah. will respect Lampard as much as they have any other manager we've had in the past 10 years I mean it, it might be harsh to describe championship players who are getting paid lots of money and some of them have had very good careers before Derby as limited but 
at the end of the day, he is working with players who are below his own level, so he should be demanding, having had his own, having had his own experience, and having known that hard work can get you so far. So many top players talk about. You hear about so many top players. Harry Kane, for example, probably mm. isn't the most naturally talented player, yeah. but he puts the hours on on the, on the training ground. Yeah. He hopefully Lampard will be expecting the same level of commitment from current pros and the the young players coming through. Apparently, Lampard used to. Um, Henry Winter told the official site that. Lampard in his youth used to uh, be spotted like jogging around Romford or sprinting around Romford on his days yeah. off to improve his, uh, his his endurance. And that, that's the kind of thing that football fans love, isn't it? That someone who wears their heart on their sleeve, and if he can do that uh, on the touchline and can get the team playing like that, it's something that we're going to appreciate as fans. That you want the team to work hard, you want them to be passionate, you want them to be competitive, and and Lampard's a winner, and you want your team to win. Like, at the end of the day, how many times this season did we not play particularly great stuff? We won, and we were so excited by it because we were winning games. That, that's what you want, and I think Lampard's a born winner. Just, just one last point on the playing style. <clears throat> one more statistic to throw up there. Um, so in the uh, FA Youth Cup, which Chelsea won again this season, they played eight games, they scored 33 goals, but importantly, they only conceded one goal in eight games, and that was in the final, first leg of the final at home to Arsenal when they won the, that 7-1 in aggregate. So they conceded one goal in eight games. So it shows you that Jody Morris and John Terry, however good that youth team was, they take defence seriously, which is a good sign, for sure. So speaking of John Terry, was he involved or did you just mean generally? Sorry, Frank Jones? Lampard and, Frank and Lampard, Jody yeah. Morris. Not John, nothing to do with John Terry yet. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of John Terry, <laughs> <laughs> that is the strong rumour that he's going to be the third piece of the, uh, the Lampard jigsaw. jigsaw, as it were. So Lampsaw. Put... <laughs> not a word. So I put that one out on Twitter last week just to see what the general um, feeling was amongst Derby fans as to whether they would take him. Well, the question was simply, John Terry should be signing. When I last checked, it was 45% said yes and 55% said no. So almost split down the middle. A very divisive issue, Richard. Uh, A few people sort of commented as well. Um, I'll just read some of these out here. Uh, So David tweeted us to say, part of me says we don't want a full-on Chelsea reunion. Another part says we'd be foolish not to take a year on mates' rates if he was up for it. Uh, James Allen tweeted us to say £3.6 million in wages at Villa last season, and he'll be 38 this year. If he came as part of the backroom team, that may be different. Uh, Paul Starkey tweeted us to say signing Terry would be the very antithesis of trimming the wage bill and lowering the age of the squad. Uh, Mark Oliver said Lampard will be after managerial and coaching experience around him. As a player, I'd rather have Davis, and he couldn't play alongside yeah. him. Uh, there's a couple more here. Taylor Thorne said, not a prayer. Davis to partner a new centre-back, experience and someone with legs. Keogh as backup if needed. Uh, Chris Lamb said, if we bring him in, it's the end of Keogh and Davis. It could be great for the youngsters. And at uh, Undue Elephant on Twitter tweeted us to say, Bruce is clued up, and if John Terry wasn't past it, Sorry, if Jonte was past it, was a bad influence or brought nothing to the table, Villa wouldn't have tried to keep him. Talk to any Villa fan and they'll say how good he was. So um, it's a very good friend of mine, uh, Ben, who's a lifelong Villa fan. I'll come to his comments in a second. John Terry, what was, do you think? I was a 55 percenter. I'm a no. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I agree what, with what Paul Starkey and Mark Oliver said. It's the sort of antithesis of trimming the wage bill. Even if he comes in on mates rates, um, so to speak, still going to be... 30, 
40 grand. It's probably more than what we, we pay most of our players. Reported um, to be on around 60 <clears throat> grand a week at Villa last season. Yeah, so even 50% of that is, is too much. He's 38. Davis is a phenomenal player and a leader for us. We John Terry's been a great player, don't get me wrong, but Davis is our player like that. We don't need another another person yeah. like that. Um, I, I'd, I'd agree totally with, with what Tom said. If, you keep, if you're keeping Curtis Davis, if Curtis Davis goes to Stoke for whatever reason... I think there's yeah. a I think there's a more serious discussion to be had. Yeah. Just if, gonna just gonna throw this one out there. Picture the scene, opening day. We're gonna come to this later because I asked all, both of you to name what you think will be the starting eleven for the opening day. I'm not getting too far ahead of ourselves. But I'll just throw this one out there. Keo Davis, John Terry in a back three. Discuss. No. And no. a and a discussion. No, <laughs> uh, could you imagine the lack of pace? But that's why you stick, that's, why you stick, that's, that's why you stick Terry in as a sweeper, so he doesn't have to move. What about Davis? I just I just I can't no. I can't see it. I don't think I want to see it. I also think unless if Davis was to stay, you don't need to bring Terry in for the leadership or for the experience yeah. or for anything that Terry brings. He doesn't he doesn't bring it in more vault buckets than Davis does. He brings more medals, but not at this relevant level. Um, great great sweepers at Derby. Dave Mackay, Igor Stimac. John Terry. No, I don't. I don't want him. I don't want him on that list. That old like when he joined us. Yeah, and I don't want him. Comparable. I don't want him on that list. Um, if Davis goes, possibly yes. I, I agree with who, who said that Davis Davis staying with a young player next to him. Yeah. I, I would like to see us invest in it in an exciting up and coming. There's there's got to be good centre backs in League Two and League One, mm. or lower down the Championship that we can get for you know maybe a fee but a lower wage bill. You know, how many how many good you could probably sign two good young centre backs for a, t- a cumulative thirty grand. So. My uh, my friend Ben, who's a lifelong Villa fan, and I asked about this, asked him how he's contributed to Villa this season. He said it's been very good for us to play as many games as he did at 37. is remarkable. Only The only injury he had was a broken metatarsal, which can happen to anyone. He was 100% committed and instilled a togetherness which we, which we had lacked. I can't remember many errors from him. His positional sense is top-notch. I think it's, it's fair to say that he does have something to offer footballing-wise, but yeah. we already have a lot of his attributes covered and we just can't really afford him. To go, to go against my own point, I'd agree. Even the only the only reason I could see why he might be good, if we do think the dressing room has got some kind of problem in it, not necessarily people falling out, but just a weakness in it about that whole February, March time or just a, a general mental weakness that he can't see a full season through, if it does need a shake-up, maybe John Terry is the right answer, whether you've got Davis or not. But I would be more tempted to give Davis a chance as a full season as captain, yeah. rather than rock the boat. To the ex- John Terry is a divisive figure, and I'm sure he's divisive in dressing rooms as well. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he is. Irrelevant of that, I think that too much wages. Um, he's on the he's on the wrong side. The too too far into his thirties. Um, we have got a player in Davis, and I I agree. There's younger a younger centre back that could be part of the future, rather than going for a short term. Uh, centre half I think we've got the centre backs there we need to improve on them in the longer term rather than just saying oh we can replace sort of Keo or Pierce for a year um, and then be looking at the same question again of what do we do who do we bring in um, so for me it's a no going back to Lampard and where Derby go from here do you think expectations for next season have, have gone up or gone down well they didn't try and dampen them did they considering that we finished sixth and, they, and he said basically that they want to achieve the same again which is top six then they they they're obviously deliberately aiming for you know, for at least the playoffs. Expectations from the fans. I feel like I don't feel like expectations will go down, but I do think they might 
fans might be more patient if if the if the early signs are correct and people stick by what they say now, which is let's give him time. This is a good guy. He have a great, a better long term plan. But let's see fans put their voices where their mouths are because yeah. I don't want to see. I don't want to hear in three months time if we're fifteenth, sack him. Yeah, Tom Mel Morris said um, when he introduced Lampard, we want to build on the club's top six finish from last season while at the same time bringing youth through. I think he said that. Maybe it was Lampard. Anyway, they said it together. Um, And he said, um, Morris did say, we have to accept that financial fair play is a reality and that our spending is unsustainable. Do you think Morris is, and and us as fans, are maybe expecting too much from Lampard, given that A, we have very lot of money to spend, and B, it's his first ever job in management, to expect a top six finish from him? I I don't think it's too much. The the squad you've got there... um... Is, is capable of a top six finish. Um, it's not going to be easy. There's a lot of good teams in there and there's a lot of teams with uh, more money from parachute payments. Um, but the, the basis of the squad is there. So I don't think it's unreasonable to expect a top six challenge. I don't think it's a uh, huge issue if the top six doesn't happen. Um, I still think it's important for us to build that team. And that's why I think, going back to the comments we just made on John Terry, if we're to sign Terry and then we don't get top six, I'm, I am going, why didn't we sign some youth, younger players to give them the experience to then be pushing on for the for the following, following season? Yes, expectation has gone up, definitely, because this is exciting. This is the biggest buzz I've had as a Derby fan since the McLaren 13-14 season. And that is right the way around the club. Everyone is up for this. Um, I think, I think regardless of... Of his ability, there's going to be so much goodwill around Lampard, isn't there? Like because everyone yeah. seems to respect him and admire him as a player. Uh, yeah, I, I was... and there's a lot of good messages. You just had to see all the messages from all his uh, teammates and ex-managers and stuff. Yeah. And I think it's I mean, going to take a long time before the fans turn on him if things don't go well. I think he'll he'll, he'll have a decent bedding in period. I if he loses yeah, the yeah. Fir- if he loses the first five games, well, I think even even then. I think he'll. he'll be co- he'll, he'll <laughs> I think if, lose, if anyone loses the first five games when they come in as manager, you've got to be questioned. But that's the test, isn't it? That is the test. That's all. That's, that's, the, that's the ultimate test of the fans, and it's the ultimate test of the chairman, mm. who who has been truly oh, happy. I'm not saying. Like, I'm not saying yeah. don't sack him if he loses the first twelve games, mm. but why give someone a three-year contract if you're just going to judge them on the first yeah. two months, three months? It's the same messages every time, isn't it? Like we, the manager, Morris always said, like you know, going to give him time. This is a project. But now, now he has to back that up with talk, doesn't no, he? No, but it's bullshit because he said he does say it every time. Cle- Clement, he's going to yeah. be the Alex Ferguson of exactly, our, and, and it didn't happen. And he, and he had one bad. We were second in the league. We had mm. one bad run. What we were fifth. Yeah, and he sacked him. Yeah. But in Morris's defence, our last managerial departure wasn't his fault. No, it wasn't. But that's the exception. And for some reason, Raul is still keen to go. Now we can. That's a different conversation. We had that conversation two weeks ago. Yeah. But you know, I am concerned, mm. and obviously. The one thing that reassures me is there was a week of negotiations. Mel got to know Frank. Frank got to know Mel. All happy, clappy. That's great. But what happens when the first 10 games don't go to plan? Yeah. Apparently, Tom, we approached him. He didn't yeah, sort of yeah. advertise for the job. So as well as beating 19 other applicants for the job, mm. Morris said that he was asked, oh, you know, how did this correspondence come about? And he said, oh, well, you know, I heard he'd, he'd interviewed for the Ipswich job and it didn't yeah. work out. So we reached out to him. So we went for him, apparently. Yeah. And, and, then, and then he beat 19 other people. It doesn't mean, though, that he wasn't going to apply. I mean, I take your point. I, I picked up on that as well. But he said we wanted to find out if he was actually serious about a managerial job or not. Yeah. Or just getting a job at Ipswich instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think Derby will be a good fit for him. Like, And Ipswich would have been a good fit as well. Um, 
I think he'd probably prefer to be at Derby because we're in a slightly better position. We've got the, the infrastructure and the squad in place. I don't know about um, that because Ipswich give their managers time. They do. It, they've had 16 yeah. managers in 50 years or yeah. something. Yeah, OK, that's that's maybe the difference. But I do think that Derby have got the, the squad and the possibility to achieve a lot quicker than maybe what Ipswich have. And I think Lampard, if he if he's successful, he could be on to... He's got the sort of personality that I would expect or, and not be surprised if he was a successful manager in the future. Well, we said in the last episode, didn't we, that if it goes really well, it's not going to last long. We are a stepping stone for him and it's it's so obvious that that's the case. And if it goes badly, we'll just have to hope that he gets given time. But I think really well is getting promoted, which is fine. Yeah. And I think he would say if we got promoted. It's harder no to get one's promoted gonna, than it is to stay up. No one's going to give... I mean, look at Dyche. Yes, okay, the two players are incomparable in terms of player uh, reputation, but Dash has been at Burnley for seven, eight years now, six, six, seven, eight years, and he's done a phenomenal job there. And he has stayed loyal to Burnley, and Burnley has stayed loyal to him. But Lampard would get picked up. If, if Lampard had achieved even the first three or four years of what Sean, even the first three years of what Sean Dyke had achieved, Lampard would have been offered a, a job he couldn't refuse. I think if we're top six at Christmas and a job comes up in the Premier League in February... I think there's, I think there's a chance. But we go, yeah, that soon, yeah, possibly. He depends has, what, he, he depends has, what he, the job is. I know we gave him his first job in management, but he has no affinity to Derby. If a job, he? if a job is bottom of the table, Cardiff City, I don't think he does go. I, I've got. If it's mid table, Watford, then maybe he goes. Okay, fine, but I would be pretty disappointed if he's actually gunning for a long term no, managerial career but, because, mm. like, you just you've got to show loyalty to that club, and you've got to actually show you you can do the job properly like six months is not enough time well this is two transfer windows this is this is a problem that rower might have isn't it that he's sort of developing a reputation for himself isn't he well again anyone who flutters their eyes at him like off he goes doesn't it no that's not true i don't like him anymore but he didn't go in january and he he was sacked by birmingham but the room let's let's not talk about (laughs) (laughs) he's gone he's dead um (laughs) he's he's not dead dead. (laughs) (laughs) he just lives in stoke which is good as (laughs) same thing you can follow us Follow the podcast on social media. We're on Instagram. Uh, drop us an email at um, sorry, Steve Bloomer's washing at gmail.com. Um, we're on Twitter at Steve Bloomer Pod, as you'll know if you're on uh, Watching Us on Periscope, and we're on Facebook as well. Uh, we're going to leave it there for the first half. In the second half, we're going to have a look back on the season, on 17-18. Goal of the season, player of the season, Mate Vidra, how much would we sell him for? Uh, who do we keep? Chris Martin, Craig Bryson, remember them? Nick Blackman, all these names, he's blasphemed the past. What happens to them? And the three of us will attempt to predict, probably with hilariously bad results, Derby's opening day lineup for 18-19. So we'll see you on the other side of this small dose of John Watson. Powell again. There's Villas. Asanovic. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Welcome back to Steve Bloomer's Washing, Derby County fan podcast with me, Chris, him, Tom. Hello again. Him, Richard. Welcome back. Um, so in the second half of the podcast, we were just going to reflect on the season that was. Not a result we all wanted in the end, but uh, another roller coaster campaign for the Rams. Goal of the season, Richard. Who gets your choice when you finish swigging your beer? <laughs> uh, it probably wasn't the best technical goal of the season, but I'd say Matesh Vidra against Forrest, was it 20, two, minute, two minutes in? 24, 24 seconds, seconds mate. Similar. Didn't you miss it? <laughs> I probably did miss it. Or I don't remember it anyway. You're sleeping again. Yeah, uh, yes, sleeping. Um, yeah, Matesh Vidra's goal, just because what a way to start a derby. In derby. 
So yeah, when you're talking goal of the season, you're talking like importance and as a dramatic moment rather than as a technical piece of footballing ability. Oh, it all comes together, right? The reason Gareth yeah. Bale's goal in the in the Champions League final is better than Ronaldo's in the semi final, quarter final, whatever. It's because it was in the final. That's why it's better. But it was also a better goal. Wow. Vidra's <laughs> goal against Vols was great, wasn't it? Drop of the shoulder, created the space, and then wrong foot, and uh, hammered it in from, what, 20, 25 yards, or 22 yards or something? Yeah. Great strike. Good so it's goal. a good goal, and it had massive significance. So combine those two factors. Tom? Okay, so I've got two potential ones here. The one that I celebrated and enjoyed the most... Uh, this year was Vidra's goal against Birmingham City to put us 2-0 yeah, up when he got was... put through and you just knew he was going to score and he absolutely hammered it home uh, left-footed uh, from about 12 yards that was like my favourite goal however the best goal this season um, no doubt Sam Winnell away at Ipswich what a strike that was 30, 30 yards or just so just an absolute speculator that was wasn't he like Brilliant just wound strike. up way from miles out yeah great it was good to, it's been a good pushing 30 yards out that was yeah, I think I think so it was, quite, it was really wide out wasn't it it was like right across the yeah, across out, the keeper sort of from the centre left into the top far corner and it didn't even get onto the Football League's goal of the month yeah I mean that is, a, that is a travesty must have got lost in the post but yeah <laughs> what a, it was a great goal um, another goal I enjoyed was Cameron Jerome's in the playoffs at home Which because one? Oh, okay. I celebrated that twice or, e- or either of his goals against Cardiff or even against Cardiff what, what a lovely team to score <laughs> against a bit, a bit like the Forest game yeah. they weren't the most beautiful goals the build up to one of them was just about 25 headers <laughs> but the strength to outmuscle the, the cretinous uh, back four of Cardiff City and then slide it into the corner. Yeah, we can't talk about goal of the season yeah. and mention that. Jerome <laughs> goal against Cardiff is one of the worst goals I've ever seen. But what, what's your favourite then, Chris? What's yours? Mine was Winnall as well. It was just um, yeah. proper like, arrow right to the top corner, wasn't it, from and, miles away. And the sort of goal he doesn't score very often yeah. and the sort of goal we don't score very often. No. And um, a hugely important goal at the time. I thought we uh, we needed that result at the time to keep keep the pressure on the top two. So. I started to believe then. Yeah, me too. As as with Birmingham City, <sighs> the visual. <Pretty> one. <laughs> anyway, um, yes. so that's goal of the season, which we haven't agreed on in the slightest. <laughs> well, I think you two both chose winner. So, player of the season, Richard. It's pretty much between. It's a you know it's a three way tie really, isn't it? Carson Vidal Davis, <laughs> Mark. Marcus Olsen, and George Thorne. <laughs> Jamie Hansen as well should we have a shout um, I I would purely for his playoff heroics I'd say Curtis Davis if making him captain brings that out of him every week then let's, then we, we'll get promoted next season um, he was incredible in those in some of the most important games of the season Curtis Davis was an absolute colossus he made the players around and the players against him look like little boys at times Yeah, I, I would say Curtis Davis Scott Carson had an incredible an incredible run and he didn't really do a lot wrong all season, to be honest. Uh, and Vidra, while his goals are very important and, and, and he was very effective, he was he was also dropped at important times by Rowett. So yeah. I'd probably go Curtis Davis. Tom, what do you reckon? Um, if you'd have asked me in January, I'd have said Scott Carson, but I think I've got to agree with uh, Kutch. Uh, I think Davis has been the overall player of the season. Carson was phenomenal. Um, get him on a plane, should have been there in, in Russia. Obviously, a slight bias there. But as a goalkeeper, he's someone that uh, as a goalkeeper myself, he's someone I watch quite a lot, um, and I think he's got great technique and a great command of the area, um, and he's a great goalkeeper for us. So long may he stay uh, for the next few years, certainly until he's until he retires. So you're saying, well, you're saying Davis. I'm saying well. Davis, but I'm saying Carson would have been mine if you'd asked me in in December, well, end of December, early January. I think he's had a great season, um, but I think Davis has just sort of continued that with consistency and the playoffs 
obviously fantastic he was there funny thing is in December we had this conversation at the halfway point mm. and uh, Keogh was in conversation wasn't he mm. but he just dropped a couple of sort of clangers in at in, in key times didn't he but I think Keogh has still probably had I would say one of his best seasons for us and he's been here what about six years so yeah. that is some achievement for him it's going to be weird that he's not going to he didn't win any player of the year awards in probably one of his best seasons and, he and, he's, tri- and, he's, and he's won it twice and he got stripped of the captaincy again yeah. <laughs> that, that, was, yeah. that was needed um, I think Keogh is a good player um, but I don't think he'll ever be more than that and he is a heart on the sleeve player um, but he's just prone to too many sort of really simple stupid errors Sunderland just comes to mind. I still get nightmares about that. It'll be really, Let's move on from it'll Keogh. be really interesting to see how what Lampard thinks of him. Yeah, really interesting to see. I've got my opinions. It's interesting whether yeah whether players can improve players who weren't playing in their position. If you know what I mean. So I have to see about that one. Yeah, I'd say Davis as well. For what it's worth, I think the resurgence that we had in March when we almost looked out of it was in part down to him. I would say I think he was a massive yeah. factor yeah. in that. He had, his, he had a few wobbles, didn't he? I mean, there's like the game that we went to against Reading earlier in the season when he his, he made a mistake that led directly to a goal. You know, he played he played against Sunderland at home. He played against Burton, Burton away. He played in that game against Reading, that six-goal, mm. 3-3 draw. Um, so he hasn't been perfect, but I think a lot of the good things that we did towards the end of the season, you can sort of link back to him. And, if you know, look, if you watch that... That team talk that he gave before the playoff semi-final, and then the performance that he delivered subsequently. Exactly, subsequently. yeah, yeah. He he did his absolute utmost to try and get us through it, as as all the players did. To be fair, they all gave it their best, I think. But yeah, it's difficult to look past Curtis Davis, and I think he's gonna. If we're gonna do anything next season, he's got to be a part of it, really, hasn't he? You'd think, oh yeah, as we said before in the first half, either him or a replacement, which might or might not be John Terry, but Curtis Davis is definitely the first team on the team sheet for me next season. Yeah. Agreed. The other player we mentioned there, Matteo Vidra, uh, there's a few reports linking him with a reunion with Gary Rowett at Stoke, which would be weird because Gary Rowett didn't actually play him for the last few games in the uh, in the no. playoffs. But the reality is, Tom, as, as he, <coughs> the snake meister used to say himself, is that we probably have to sell before we can buy. Yeah. Or maybe things aren't that bad. We need to cut our cloth. We're going to have to raise some funds for transfers or from transfers during the summer. Um, how much would you sell him for? If Stoke came knocking, um, so he bought him for nine million. He's just scored twenty odd goals this season. I'd be looking for at least fifteen, which is at ridiculous. least fifteen, which is ridiculous money. But at the same time, yeah, why not? We've we have been we have sold players recently for too low, and you compare to what some players have been purchased for over the last three or four years. He's twenty, what twenty two, twenty three. He's quite young. No, um, he's older than that. Either way, he's in his. Yeah, <laughs> Early twenties, and he mid, scored. Mid to late, <laughs> he scored. He scored twenty odd goals this season. We bought him for nine million. I'd want fifteen. If you, yeah, Tom makes a valid point there. If you look at some of the comparative players who have gone on to moves, having been the championship's top scorer, um, I probably should have researched this, but um, I'm sure Villa paid about at least twelve or fifteen for Jonathan Codger, didn't Six, they? Sixteen for Codger. Um, Ross um, McCormack's had a few hefty fees with him yeah. at, over the years, hasn't he? He went for twelve once, didn't he? I'm sure Jordan Rhodes went for ten plus once, yeah. Yeah, off I'm, the back of half a good season for somebody. I'm I'm sure that we can definitely demand as much as we want, really. De- definitely ten million plus. I'm, I'm, four, not sure, I'm not 40. sure about fifteen. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure about fifteen, but I feel like we're in a position of strength. I also agree with what you said, Chris. Why would Gary Row? Why would Vidra want to play for someone who dropped him for the biggest games of the season? Yeah, I I, I get it. Rowett got 
got goals out of him and got performances out of him, but he didn't really put his full trust in him when it really mattered. And for me, if I was Matthias Fidra, I'd remember that. We're going to come on to our starting lineup for next season, uh, but I, I'm really excited about, about seeing Vidra and Palmer in the same team. What is interesting is that uh, Shakiri's being linked with a couple of moves away from Stoke to Huddersfield and Burnley. Shakiri, Shakiri. Indeed. <laughs> His hips don't lie. Um, so if he goes. His goal ratio does. Uh... <laughs> so if he goes, you can imagine Raul will be looking to fill a similar position. So maybe it's one of those sort of knock on domino effects sort of thing. And you know what? If we got 15 million for him, I'd take it. Yeah. I can see that. I can see them. I can see Stoke coming in with something like ten or eleven, plus like a sort of three or four million promotion. pound promotion bonus or something. I can see that happening. But anyway, so yeah, we're settled on Tom Rackham's fifteen. I'd say I wouldn't sell him for anything less than an all-in fee of certainly thirteen or fourteen. I don't think his stock has never been higher, has it? Really, no. like, he's never going to be. Well, exactly, because when he was at Watford, when we signed him, he'd already had a failed a failed period in, in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, whereas if we sold him this summer, he'd just come off the back of a golden boot winner in the championship, if you can call it a golden boot in this league. I do think we overpaid for Vidra at the time. Yeah. And Anya, who sort of came as a sort of second Watford player. The fact that we paid £13 million for those two is a bit of a joke. Um, but yeah, if we paid that much for Vidra, then we should sell him for at least that much. A number of players whose futures sort of hang in the balance at Derby over the summer. So four players who were all out on loan last season Chris Martin, Craig Bryson. Nick Blackman and Jacob Butterfield. Tom, do you think any of those four players have a long-term future at Derby next season? Uh, yes. I would like to see a Bryson-type character in that midfield, and if that means it's Craig Bryson for next year, then I'm fine with that. Craig Bryson um, doing a Craig Bryson impression. Yeah, I would love that. So <laughs> I just want someone someone with a bit of energy in that midfield behind the likes of, sort of Vidra, Lawrence, whoever else, Palmer, Vyman and stuff who run around. He's very much uh, a Lampard sort of a player, Craig Bryson, isn't he? Yeah, and um, I think that's what we've maybe missed at times. That when we're trying to relieve the press pressure, the ball will go forward and it will go forward into the channels for us to run and chase. But actually you want someone to carry the ball forward, to create the space, to make teams drop off, to allow those uh, sort of Vyman, Vidra, uh, Nugent, Jerome <coughs> players to try and run into space. So Bryson, or a Bryson-esque character in midfield. That's an interesting point you just made there, Chris. If you if you were to not that it's necessarily very helpful, but if you were to choose one of the Derby's current midfielders who is most like Frank Lampard, it probably is Craig Bryson. Oh, easily, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely not Jacob Butterfield. Runs around a lot, makes late runs in the box. Yeah, um, but I, I just think with Bryson, has he had his one good season? Is he ever going to replicate thirteen fourteen? No, I, I don't think he is. I'm not is looking he? for him to do that. To be honest, like that's he had a fantastic season then, and in hindsight, maybe the sale to Burnley would have been the right thing. But we signed he signed a new five year contract, and he's been a great player for the club over the years. Got so many good memories of Craig Bryson, and if he can come back and do what Bryson does, rather than exceed his expectations, which he did in thirteen fourteen, um, I'd be happy with that. And I think he would be a benefit to the team. And I think it was a shame actually he didn't play this year because he would have been yeah a, a good option. And Bryson, like a lot of the Derby County squad, has suffered from the change in managers so often. Mm. You know, you can't you, you can't really measure how much of an impact that has on players. It wasn't his fault he was loaned out really no. uh, last season. I know he didn't make as big an impact at Cardiff as I think. He just didn't fit our system, did he? No. Well, no. I guess he didn't. Which is strange because he's all about hard work, Rowett, and Craig Bryson is definitely about hard work. Stick with me on this one, Richard. But um, Nick Blackman scored ten goals in thirty-one appearances for uh, Jordi Cruyff's Maccabi Tel Aviv in Israel last season, including the winner versus Villarreal in the Europa League. 
Any interest? Well, they're very exotic names, aren't they, all of those? <laughs> but um, I don't know. I don't know if that means he's ready to set the championship alight. Maybe he is. I mean, he obviously there obviously is a player in there somewhere. Can I refute this just with three <laughs> words? Colin Kazim Richards. He went to Fenerbahce and scored loads of goals, and he was rubbish. So... Turkish league is better than the Israeli. What rubbish league. when he came back or rubbish before he left? Both. Right. So the Turkish, <laughs> Turkish league is better than the Israeli league. Blackman was a rubbish player. That's why Clement got sacked in my eyes because he spent three million pounds on Blackman. No. But did Blackman not suffer the same fate as Vidra in his, as Vidra did in his first year at Derby, which is he never got played in his men, in his proper position? It's because he wasn't good enough. I just remember the times when Blackman came on. He looked so bereft of confidence, didn't he? Like he just. Um... I told you Vidra. I mean, I, I feel like Nick Blackman is a player. a player there. I'm not saying you should give him a run, but if you did give him a run, you might find that player again. Well, I'm just not sure where he fits in. But then we don't know Lampard's system, so it's all speculation, isn't it? Jacob Butterfield, Tom. I feel with him, really, there's just too much water under the bridge, really, isn't there? Because yeah. he sort of mouthed off when he went to Wednesday. Yeah. He and uh, and fast fast football isn't really his sort of thing either, is it? <laughs> um. No. Fast, fast and again, like Bryson, he didn't make an impact at Wednesday. No. Well, uh, Bryson played 22 games for uh, Cardiff and scored a couple of goals, so it's a reasonable impact. It's not as, not like a promotion but, defined. But Butterfield thing. didn't. Assess the the Wednesday fans did not take the Butterfield. They hated they? him, but he was at fault for so many goals as well. Like seeing some of the videos retweeted from uh, Wednesday fans about Butterfield. And um, for me, again, Butterfield was one out the door. And finally, um, I feel like we should really start talking about him now, but. Chris Martin, for old time's sake. He's got another two years on his contract. Yeah, so <laughs> he might as well. Um, only scored one goal for Reading on loan in the second half of last season. I don't know why Chris Martin is no longer a great player. but Tom's, Tom, Tom's his biggest fan. I love Chris Martin. It's just because we share surnames. <laughs> but, but <laughs> no, more than that, Tom. Admit it. <laughs> He's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Chris Martin, if we can get an offer, which is of, of reasonable which someone will take his wages off us then again I'd, I'd let him go but he could be useful he's um, going to end up with uh, McLaren at QPR isn't he that would be fine that's fine that's quite a good shout actually come on Steve on loan though they won't pay for him no. they'll pay, only pay half his wages because he's obviously on big wages now of us yeah seems pretty likely before we wrap it up for this episode and indeed for the season we want us to throw things forward and, and look ahead to to August to the opening day to another campaign where Derby will hopefully be going for promotion again picture the scene an opening day in August um, now this is very speculative clearly but what do you think Derby's starting 11 will be well, um, we... now this can be uh, you don't have to name names you can just say a new signing in a certain position okay um, what do you think or what do we want what do you think it will be not what do you want it to be are we home or what... away on the first game of the season home <laughs> always just, home okay. just answer in question <laughs> right we, we talked earlier about some younger players coming in and um I've got friends who are lower league uh, supporters, and I've seen a, a fair, a fair few lower league games this season. Jack Marriott at Peterborough uh, scored I think twenty twenty five goals this year. Um, I think he'd be a decent acquisition up front, uh, and someone at centre back because I, I think the Keo era must must end. <laughs> must end. <laughs> it must end. <laughs> so and start with start with Carson. Take me through your one to eleven. Yeah. So okay. Uh, so Carson, Carson in goal. Yeah. Uh, I'd like a new left back. Uh, of some sort I haven't got an idea for that one not, they, not low maybe but he's barely played for Shrewsbury I know he's been injured but maybe but a new left back uh, Davis is captain a new centre back um, I quite like the look of the, the lad at heart uh, John Souter who we were linked to back in uh, in December uh, Wisdom at right back uh, then as a three in midfield in front of that Huddleston sitting Johnson and Bryson 
then I'd love to love to see Palmer back and to be supported by Vidra as like two sort of central tens. Just to um, step in here, this is the team you think will happen, not the one you want to happen. Yeah, we've yeah. Okay. <laughs> you sure. Yeah. So you think that you you think this is what Derby's starting team will be on the opening day? There are four new players in that team. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then I'd like to see Jack Marriott up front. Richard, how about you? I would deal with Alex Pierce or Keogh next I feel like Davis. I feel like mine's more realistic, as in it, what I think it will be, because it's definitely not what I want it to be, and you'll see why in a second. So I think this is what it will be. Scott Carson in goal, 4-2-3-1. Scott Carson in goal, Wisdom right back. I think we will sign Terry, and he'll partner Davis on the opening day of the season. I think it'll be uh, Max Lowe, left back. I feel like there's going to be a definite effort, whether it's token or genuine, to play some youngsters. So I think uh, Max Lowe, uh, left back. I think a, a, two, a base of two midfielders of Huddleston and Bryson. And then I think we will sell Vidra. Uh, so in the three, it'll be Thomas Thomas from the academy right wing. Yeah, Luke Thomas. Uh, Casey Palmer, I think we're getting back on loan uh, uh, behind uh, the attacker. Tom Lawrence, left wing. And then up front, either Cameron Jerome mm-hmm. or Callum Hudson-Odoi oh, on loan from Chelsea. So tell think, tell think, me more. I think we'll have two Chelsea loan players, one being Palmer, and possibly one being Callum Hudson-Odoi. So Callum Hudson-Odoi is the, the star player of Jody Morris's uh, youth team. Before Jody Morris left, he talked about the possibility of him going on loan next season. I would expect that would be a championship-type loan or foreign yeah. loan rather than a Premier League loan. He's only 17 years old. He's a kind of a tall, rangy striker, got you know really great skill, good finishing from what we've seen. Uh, whether or not he could play up front by himself as a hold-up player, I'm not entirely sure. It seems like... He normally starts from the left. So possibly, yeah. if you tweak that formation, you could play Callum Hudson-Odoi from the left and then Jerome or another up yeah. front. But I, I feel like I don't know all the information of Chelsea's youth players. I, surely we're going to get at least one of them on loan. Yeah. I, th- I think Casey Palmer will be a great start and then and one other. I, th- I mentioned earlier that I quite like a uh, sort of energetic midfielder. Mason Mount, who plays for the Chelsea youth team as well, he's a, a highly rated player and he's, he fits that bill. I'd also like to see Timmy Elstick have a go. Mm. He has played really well for Swindon this year, scored some cracking goals, um, and he plays sort of in the attacking midfield, sort of right-left uh, positions. So, yeah, why not give them a go? I think our starting eleven will be Carson in goal, back three, Fruity, Keogh and Davis in front of John, the new Eagle Steam Act Terry <laughs> as a sweeper. Um, That's which, expensive, back three, isn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> about 200 grand a week. <laughs> Wisdom, wisdom, right, wisdom, right wing back, a new left back as left wing back. Huddleston and Bryson in the middle. How many does that leave? <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's, that's like that, Southgate's formation. That's five, two, six, seven, eight. You've got three players. So I've got three players left. So it'll be Jerome up top, and then Lawrence and Palmer behind. You think we'll sell Vidra? Um, I think he'll either be on the bench or sold. Yeah. In- interesting. Sam Winnell. I was thinking about him, but I don't know what his fitness situation is. Can we he, take a vote on that? If if he's fit first game of the season, who would sign him? I would not want to sign him just so I can sing that chant. <laughs> Apart from singing it. the chant. <laughs> I'd, I'd sign him and play him. Yeah. Why? What does he offer you? Because he had a good record when he before he got yeah. injured. Distinctly average record. It was decent. 1.5 mil. Uh, 1.5 mil, I'd sign him. Mm. But he's, he's more prolific than Nugent. Yeah. And yeah, Jerome. But yeah. I don't know what he offers you outside the box. Does that matter? Yes. I don't I, think it does. I think, all court game, total football. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, he he suits the one up front quite well. I think he holds it up. I I'm think never he been convinced. So he could fit in a three. Anyway, well that's interesting. Well, we should write these down and then laugh at how inaccurate they were in the starting the day of the well, season. Tom and I did write us down. Yeah, I'm gonna. That's why you lost count of the players. You I'm didn't gonna write it down. Memory. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> tweet. Obviously I'm gonna, not. It's all appear. I'm gonna tweet mine out. 
Yeah, let's do that. We'll, we'll tweet them out, yeah. Uh, so it's time Good for... Point. I'm getting emotional here. It's the last two Ramai of the season, <laughs> of our debut podcast season. As I said, Tom's wrapped up the, the series, 10-6. Potential whitewash. It's like well, it's not a whitewash, is it? Because I got six. 11-6, 5-0, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, England and Australia. So Long before, series. at the start of the podcast, I told you this clue, which is that I played... 20, sorry, 32 times for Derby County between 2009 and 2015. Tom, Mark O'Brien. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> I had that written down straight away. Weirdly... Mark, um, Hart, Mark O'Brien. Yeah. Weirdly symbolic of the whole season, really, that, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Over before it started. <laughs> well, at least, at least this one didn't drag on and on. We've, we've waffled for 22 minutes already, so... <laughs> Plus the rest, Richard. You look shell shocked. <laughs> I have... actually know Mark O'Brien as well. <laughs> Did you have an answer? No, I didn't. <laughs> Could it be Mark O'Brien? So, he's playing yeah. at Newport County, I think. Now he scored the goal that kept them up. I don't even have to tell the rest of my clues. Uh, so eleven six mm. for the season. Just and... like the Ashes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Whitewash. <laughs> that famous <laughs> seventeen test Ashes. <laughs> uh, so that's it for for this episode and for. This season, I think it's worth us taking the chance now to say that we've we really enjoyed this. Uh, you know, our first podcasting season. Richard, you enjoyed it. Yeah. Debut season. Yes. Yeah. I've well, I've paid for your dinner most most weeks yeah. beforehand. Thank you. So you've done right out of it. We did. I brought some beers round. We did the odd roast dinner, didn't we? For you, Tom did. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And before we go, we really want to thank everyone who's listened. Uh, we really appreciate the support. The audience has definitely grown over the season. We've got some big plans for the new campaign. We're going to try some more interviews, speak to more fans, more experts, more daftness, more idiocy, more terrible opinions, more three of us. We're going Myself. to get Frank Lampard on. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> let's, let's see. So yeah, and thanks to everyone who has tweeted us, retweeted us, uh, liked, shared, commented on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, well, let's leave it there, Richard. Thanks for your time tonight in this season. Thank you, Chris. And Tom, thanks to you. Yeah, been a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for listening. See you. Have a good summer, and we'll see you in pre-season. <laughs>